Hello and welcome to Comedy in a Nutshell, a podcast in which I, your host, Mark Ducano, enlist the help of the great and the good of the comedy scene to talk about what comedy is to them, and then to ultimately help me understand this obsession, which is sucking all my time and my money and putting me on a path to an inevitable, penniless and exhausted old age. My guest this episode has been a rising star on the comedy circuit in recent years, a finalist in Two North Down New Comedian of the Year in 2021 and Leicester Square Theatre New Comedian of the Year in 2019. Her new show, Be Brave or Whatever, is delightful, revealing a charm that this podcast lacks and an awkwardness that it does not. It's stand-up comedian Alice India. <laughs> Hello. The hyphen in your name has thrown me a small little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so is it Alice India is like... It's like, I call it double-barreled share. That's how I would, yeah. What I'd like to ask, first of all, is how is it that you that comedy first came into your life? Was it part of your upbringing? Was it everyone gathered around the TV at Christmas, that sort of thing? Um, I think I liked being funny and I liked funny things, which I know sounds like quite basic. But yeah, so like I really liked all those like CBBC comedy, like sketch shows and stuff like that. So I always enjoyed being like silly. And then... I think I must have been like first year of secondary school. I started watching, I don't even know how. I just started watching like Comedy Central, used to do like Magna's Irish comedy and like all that mm -hmm. stuff live at the comedy store. And so I just, I used to like record, oh, I sound like such a dick, but like I used to record all the, all the episodes. And like after school the next day, I would like watch them, even though they were all like repeats and stuff. And so it was people like Jared Christmas and yep. all these like really cool clubby comedians that I'm probably nothing like now but yeah so that was kind of my thing yeah was there a certain point or a certain moment when you said to yourself yeah this is definitely my jam this is what I want to get into it was probably yeah when I was like 11 or 12 like because okay. I wanted to be an actor I think I probably still thought that until I was like 18 but like I wanted to do stand-up and so I, yeah I was like that's I was just like I guess that's just what I'll do I'll move to London and be a stand <laughs> so when you when you came to London, you thought, okay, I'll start in stand-up. Then wh where did it go for you? What was your immediate experience? Well, I actually started when I was still living at home. So when I was in Wiltshire, okay. like, I think I was 15. And they had like some, you know, like those like countryside, like summer things where it's like, <laughs> oh, we're a shed or something. So they had like a talent show. So I did stand-up for that. And that was the first time I ever did it. And that was really like, it was bad because it was like an audience of like children and their parents. And it was just like, not great. Um, but it was like, I'm glad I did it. Like, I, you know, at the time I was still like, oh my God, I can't believe I've done it. Um, yeah. And then just sort of did it like once a year at like local, like school stuff. And then mm -hmm. moved to London, didn't do any stand up for ages. I did like one competition at uni. I won that. But like I was like the only girl right. and a member of a like like a teacher on a department and then had a small nervous breakdown as so many of us do. And then I don't know. I think I was just like, oh, fuck it. Like, I'll just I need to get back. Like I kept telling people that I wanted to do something and then not doing it. And I always find that really jarring. And other people that like, I really like to go to France and then not doing it. I like, just go do stand up. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I finally actually did it. Yeah. Well, you said you were the only girl. Have you found that being... How have you found like attitudes changing towards uh, like gender in comedy? Um, I know you, you describe yourself as gender fluid. Is that has that had extra impact or anything different for yourself? Not really. Like 
no so no right so when I started I sort of assumed comedy was a boys club but I think that's just because the only comedy that was on tv was like boys so I just assumed that it was mainly men who did it like that was like the coding that I had from it um I found it I worried for a little while that I only wanted because I was the only girl and maybe they were like oh that's jazzy to have the girl win um but I and I and learned and for a little while I was worried that it was because the judge wanted to have sex with me and it turned out that, that was true um oh jesus I don't know if that's why I won, but that was like something that I was like, oh, okay, maybe like, because I remember early in comedy, I would like make friends with a male comic and then there would be people being like, he probably just wants to have sex. And I would be like, oh, is that a thing I now have to worry about that people aren't really your friends um, mm. and stuff like that. But generally speaking, like even being gender fluid, like it hasn't opened doors for me, but it hasn't closed them either. But I think that's because I'm fortunate in the sense that I think I read as a straight person I read as a cis person I read as what you know the, the sort of person that you would have on those gigs but I try my best then in those situations to be someone who's like recommending people that aren't white and middle class and aren't straight or don't you know don't read as like straight yeah. I try and be useful with the privilege that I have okay you hit on a point there that it, with all the years I've been following comedy and going to live shows for many, many years, it's only actually come to light for me recently that there is this oppression, if you like, in on the circuit. Uh, that the example that you've just given there about the winning the competition, but you know, arguably potentially. Is that something that you you've genuinely come across in more recent times now? Or is it because um, it's been highlighted that it, maybe it's more in the public eye, I think? I'm not, I'm trying to, to be honest, I'm trying to think. The, I was quite lucky that, like, when I was gigging, like, as a newbie on, like, the open mic circuit, generally, mm. people were quite, like, you heard about people and you were told don't, like, other, like, girls and non-binary and, and, and LGBT people who were, like, ahead of you, they would, mm. like, go, don't that night, it's really dodgy, or don't do, don't talk to, like, avoid this guy, because actually he can be quite inappropriate. But I was quite lucky that I never outwardly had to deal with that stuff but I've been I feel like I've been quite lucky really in comedy like I feel like I have all that in other areas of my life but generally I've been okay but I'm very conscious of the fact that it is happening and I think I'm always kind of keeping an eye out but yeah I've I've been quite lucky but I yeah sorry I don't actually know that answers your question (laughs) well I think so I mean it's it's difficult one for me um obviously I don't want I don't want this podcast to be about gender politics but it is an important issue in comedy and it's for, for me being a yeah. straight white middle class man I have no experience of this it means it's meaningless to me and to, to help me understand it and if it's part of comedy part of the scene that I need to understand it so you know it's insightful for to me to even understand that this is a thing because until recently I didn't even know it happened I think it divides into two camps because there's people who choose not to see it and, and or don't care or there's people who I think don't realise it's happening and haven't had the chance or haven't been asked the right questions maybe by like friends and stuff to be like, yeah. well, why do you think that? Or why don't you book that? And I think it's easy to become defensive. And I think, you know, maybe five or six years ago, if you if someone was like, oh, your lineup's all white, I'd be like, oh, well, I would have been defensive as well. Okay. Um, but yeah, because like there's a, there's a promoter in the Southwest, like in Wiltshire sort of way, and he's he only ever books like white men. I found out recently that he could be quite 
bullying of like women when he did put them on the lineups. And then I remember, so I only found out about this guy because my mum commented on, they said they had a special guest on this lineup. So my mum commented on the Facebook, like, who is it? Like, is it another, is it another white man? And the guy was like, what, like you? And she was like, well, I'm just asking, like, why are you being weird? Really defensive and really like, just like a bit gross. But it's like, my mum is not, you know, she's doing her best, but she's not, you know, (laughs) maybe forward-thinking person in the world and you know she's doing what she can to be better at that but like it just felt really like oh that's someone who either doesn't care that there's a problem or doesn't see it and doesn't care and I think that's I think that's worse I think as long as you can just try and identify these things like if you are on a lineup that's all white ask the promoter if they have thought about this this is just a really annoying just diary clash situation or maybe they're not thinking or maybe they need you to recommend someone um mm. i definitely don't do it as much as i ought to but i try to do it as often as possible yeah yeah <laughs> do you find in your in what you've experienced that um all female comedy nights or all specific groups of people um are on a comedy night uh there's like um there's a females of color comedy night that goes on at 21 soho there's tickle pink comedy in leicester do you find that they are better at promoting if, it, if it's concentrated or is it better to try and infiltrate generalized mixed bills do you think I don't I, I'm not sure so like when I've booked nights in the past I've tried to make them majority women that's like something I will just like actively try and do anyway and then within yeah. that you know we aren't always like posh and white for instance yeah I think there's you, I think it's good to have a mixture of the ones that are like explicitly we are women non-binary you know, whatever else, um, yeah. or ones that are kind of like sneaky, sneaky. We're just giving you all women and you don't know it's happening until it's too late. <laughs> like, like there are gigs, so I don't want to, I'm trying not to name names if I'm going to be like borderline critical, but like there are <laughs> nights, they are all women nights, yeah. but they either have a name that's maybe a bit like, could be perceived as maybe not trans, not actively transphobic, but just maybe like if you're a trans act, you don't know that you're allowed to gig there or okay. they are run by people who maybe their ideas would have been progressive like 30 or 40 years ago. And so they're still only booking like white women and they're still only booking like middle-class women or the way that they run, maybe maybe they say the wrong thing a lot to mm-hmm. act. So then don't want to come back. So if they're like, if this is like a black woman in comedy and she's having someone make inappropriate comments about her or her background, she's not going to want to come back. And she, you know, mm-hmm. you've lost a median. So, yeah, it does kind of yeah. split off in that way. <laughs> well, th- thank you. I appreciate that because, it's, it's, as I say, it's very... So, uh, growing up in the, in the 70s and 80s, it, when the, the comedians on TV were all like me, um, <laughs> you know... Well, no, no, like, I had exactly the same thing as you. Like, in yeah. 2005, it was all... <laughs> to be fair, it was all white Irish men, <laughs> specifically. Like, that's mm-hmm. all I saw all the time. Yeah. A couple of Australians and some people from New Zealand, but, like, it was all white men, so even... You know. Yeah, but the good news, as as far as I can tell, is that diversity has certainly gone into the bills of late much more rapidly than progress has been made in the past. Yeah, 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 and like I would say that in a very general sense, yeah, I think things are definitely better than they were, mm. even pre-pandemic better. Like I'm, I pers- I mean, maybe it's just because I'm better at comedy, but like I know that I'm definitely getting paid more for comedy now, just on nights that aren't necessarily like big pro nights. And so like selling tickets, even if they're only selling them for like a fiver or three pounds and they're able to pay their headliner. Like I've run only, I mean, I haven't run that many nights since coming back after the pandemic. I ran one, but I've tried to make sure that I pay everyone. And that was at a loss, but I was in a position where I could do that. 
but maybe yeah. now not in that position it would be different I don't know okay so you mentioned the pandemic there so I mean how <laughs> I don't want to ask how it was for you obviously it's a really <laughs> stupid question how was your how did you get on with did you do a lot of online work or did it just shut down for you I just to be honest so just before the pandemic happened and I know this is such a horrible thing to say because people like were losing their jobs and weren't getting paid and stuff I was kind of relieved that comedy had to stop the way that it was running I was in okay. such a like personally I was in a bit of a rut in terms of like progress and feeling like I wasn't going anywhere and feeling like I was kind of up here and then I was down there and it wasn't going on so I was personally relieved I didn't have to go and do gigs for a while I didn't realize it was going to go on for so long I did like one online gig I did oh, I can't remember what it's called it's it's Stu Goldsmith hosts it oh right yep it's like I think it's usually based down in Bristol but they did it online it was it was a really nice night it was really nice but that's the only one I did I didn't do any of the competitions I kind of regret it now but yeah I didn't do anything like that okay the one that you did with Stuart Goldsmith, did you find that, I'm trying to think how I want to say, the disadvantage of obviously the online gigs is there's no atmosphere in the room. It's very, you know, um, uh, stale environment. But the advantage is obviously you've now got a whole new audience, a global audience. Have you found that there's been more interest in like your appearances on YouTube videos or your social media? Has it been an uplift, do you think? I mean, I had the horror show of losing my Instagram account at the start of this year. So I don't know if people are still adding it or not. I can't get into it. But like, I definitely, I definitely noticed that I was suddenly, if I did do something online, if I did appear on a podcast, if I did appear in someone's show, I did get a sudden boost, small, very small, but like a little like, oh, actually those are people that were watching me just now. That's really nice. Yeah. Um, but not, I mean, I wasn't really engaging with a lot of it. I did... Um, excess malarkey online sort of late yeah. 2020 maybe maybe it was 2021 I can't remember but like and you know again I had that like little like jump up of people sort of interested and it was mm -hmm. I think it, I'm like it was it was weird to do it but I do think it is there is something quite nice about it like you saw like the COVID arms and things like that that like create like a really nice community around it and I think that's a really nice thing yeah. that you can do because also some people and I know that like from friends of mine as well, like some people are just very anxious going to comedy mm. and, and like maybe they haven't got someone to go with. And so being able to access really good quality comedy from home yeah. is a thing that we now are like open to. And like there are still online nights that happen. And I think that's quite, I don't know, I think that's quite nice. Yeah, I go to everything on my own. So it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about your, your shows as well. What's your process? Do you just think of a gag and record it on your phone or do you sit down and you have a working environment and say I'm going to write me a show or how does it work for you I think because I've been because I was like very precocious as a kid and was like I'm going to be a stand-up so whenever <laughs> somebody with like traumatic things that happened I would imagine how would I tell this on stage and obviously yeah. at the time I feel like that but it's clearly me trying to be like if I tell people about this then it can't hurt me and then it can't be embarrassing anymore because actually I'm in charge of telling this story to say I say something stupid now and really make a tip of myself um, I might go away and it'll just be playing in the back of it and I'll like run through how might I tell someone about this and then normally it's the sort of thing I might throw in between pre-written bits and just see how people respond and sort of yeah. go from and then write one or two times like that and then carry on running it through the back of my head and then eventually it turns into a fully formed it probably would be better if I just sat down and wrote something but like <laughs> I don't know how to be honest even before the past, it took me such a long time to realize how to like do a joke. Like I would just say things and expect them to be funny and there was no structure to it. <laughs> it was only now, but then I spent a lot of time just going on stage going this 
um which might yeah. be why before the <laughs> pandemic I was a bit frustrated because I wasn't getting anywhere um <laughs> but yeah now I just tend to run it through my head and write it that way and then occasionally throw it out on stage and go eh. and then if it doesn't work I'm like no okay, maybe not yet and like yeah I think I have kind of like a fairly chaotic style on stage so it's kind of okay if I throw something in there because it doesn't look I remember, oh God, again, it's that other thing. I remember a podcast where comedians were talking, but I remember there was a podcast with Nish Kumar and he said that mm -hmm. James Acaster had a conversation about who would die harder on stage and they agreed that it was Nish because his is very kind of like present, well presented or it looks polished and well presented compared to James Acaster who looks like he's just saying things. He does seem kind of wild and chaotic and crazy and whimsical or whatever. Yeah. If he doesn't land, it's kind of like, the fun man is just saying things and so it doesn't really matter as much and I think I benefit from that a little bit obviously not in the same level but like yeah by being a little bit chaotic and a bit more like on stage if I say something wrong I can go back and it just seems like it was probably planned even though it never is <laughs> that com that style of comedy does that come from your persona or is that a stage persona or is that something you're consciously putting together do you think it's probably a bit of both. Like I used to be very shouty on stage. Like I used to be a real screamer on stage. Like it was a real, <laughs> like I'd yell into the microphone, which was awful. I remember a really horrible promoter that I just hate with every ounce of my being. However, he was correct. Um, when you shout into a microphone, it's very off-putting for the audience. It's very painful. And that's when I learned the thing that people now, you see when you pull it away and then you shout. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I like, I still do a little, like if I'm not enjoying a gig or if it's a bit, if I'm feeling anxious about this set, then I will shout more. So if you see me shouting a lot, you'll be like, she's very nervous. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm quite like an awkward, cause today I feel like I'm being very, oh, I think I'm being really boring because I've spent all day doing corporate things and talking to people in a corporate way and being like, well, I'll get yeah. back to you. But like, generally speaking, I do like in life, I do a lot of non sequiturs. I do get distracted. I will ask inane questions at a really unhelpful time and, even though yeah. in life, you know, I'm quite agonizing and embarrassing on stage, it sort of can be a persona. I'm still a baby. I'm still working on it. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, Ross Noble's made the entire career out of random thoughts popping into his head. Well, I'd love it if you could call and let me know how he did that. Because <laughs> that would be great. So let's talk about new comedian of the year then. So you were yeah. a finalist in, I think, two North Down last year. Is that right? Yes, I was. I'm very and pleased then, about it. And a couple of years before Leicester Square. Yeah, Comedia did their first competition in Bath as well. So that was very nice. So as a, uh, and you'll forgive me, as a relatively fledgling comedian. Yeah. That's got to be some accolade to put on your CV, hasn't it? So before I got into finals, I thought that they were like, everything I was like, the minute you get into a final, man, you're going to get signed. And then <laughs> <laughs> three, and then was just like, hello. <laughs> like it's yeah. still I don't know like it feels like some so like if I'm like logging onto Instagram to post something dumb about a fart I did or something <laughs> seeing that it makes me feel better I'm like yeah Alice five years ago would think that was very fucking cool <laughs> but I don't <laughs> I don't want to play it down because I know that people get really upset and really stressed and really worked up about being in finals and I'm really glad that I've had that opportunity and I feel really yeah. good about it but I am also very conscious of the fact that you know it hasn't done a huge amount for me yeah. in terms of my like career I think if you email people and they're sort of looking for someone it might boost you above someone else maybe but I don't know like I don't want to play it down so much that it seems like ungrateful but I also don't want to lie and be like it changed my life it didn't it was really good <laughs> I'm really happy but yeah. yeah 
but it's definitely got to be like an affirmation even if it's not like a massive career step up it's just sort of saying I'm doing the right thing isn't it affirmation is a really nice way of looking at it so I'm gonna start saying that that's what it is yeah it's <laughs> it feels like it's like a way of reminding yourself that someone somewhere thinks you're funny and that's like a nice feeling <laughs> yeah absolutely so how do you feel about competitions then in general and more than that because that's kind of a um, just like an audience on the spot because criticism and critics in general, how, how do you respond to like feedback in that regard? Um, kind of depends really. Like, you know, if you do well or badly, right? Like we all walk off stage and they're like, well, like, or they're all like, yeah. oh. but then at the end of the day, it comes down to like what five people and what they thought of you. And like, for instance, I did a competition not long ago. I was like the first round and it was, the judge was an MC that in the past I've called out for being a bully. So I was never going to get through. Do you know what I mean? But you arrive yeah. and you up and you plan, you do all these extra gigs to try and make sure that you're like ready. And then you see who's judging and you're like, well, I was never going to get through any. Like that's, I was just like, that was never going to happen for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, on the one hand, I would say be polite to people, but on the other hand, still call out bullshit. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, for sure, yeah. He was a bully. Like I'm not just, it wasn't just me going, I don't like this person. Like he was objectively a bully. Um, yeah. but like it's it's hard because I don't think anyone it's very rare that you see someone be the they're 100% like the best you've ever seen them in a competition like sometimes you'll watch like well like for instance like the BBC and stuff they 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 film the final of the new comedy award even I think even when it was on the radio and like yeah. you might see someone that you see shine constantly in gigs but I feel like it brings everyone's level down a little bit because you're so nervous and it's like how are you supposed to be and sometimes you see people do their absolute best stuff because the nerves just absolutely kick in and they fly. But like, it's, yeah, I, I hate competition. They've just absolutely thrown me. Like I don't, I remember I'd only been with my boyfriend for like a little bit before doing two North down. And I would just be like shaking. I'd be like, take me home. I'd be like, don't talk to me. <laughs> and then, you know, I still don't know if I was, I think maybe the semi-final was the best. No. Yeah, I think, yeah, no, the semi-final was like probably the best one I did of that whole run of gigs, like, but the others, I was just like, oh, that was awful, I was so nervous, and like, I have a really, especially before the pandemic, like, I used to bring a chilies bottle to gigs, and just, it would be filled with wine, and then I would just, <laughs> but it's not, like, it's one of those things that's like very hyperbolic and funny, but like, before a competition, drinking an entire bottle of wine might not put you up to your best. <laughs> you know, perform and yeah. hope will one day be your job. Um, yeah, competitions are weird. They, I think they can open doors, but also it's, it's so difficult. How do, I don't know. It's a bit of both. I think it's yeah. good and bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you talked there about the anxiety and the nervousness about going on stage. Do you still get that on every gig? or is Because if you'll forgive me, your character, your p- persona on stage is very charming but there's some awkwardness in there as well. And it feels like that, that that's part of the show for me. Does that come from a place of anxiety as you're stepping onto the stage, do you think? Yeah, I don't feel... So before... I don't know, in, in recent months, I found my anxiety before going on stage has gotten worse. But I think that's because I've had lots of stuff with like changing jobs and lots of things that are kind of like... I've been a bit unsettling just like in life. And I think it's, you know, people say like, leave the home at the door, but like, how can you? Um, At the end, I remember at the end of the pandemic thinking that I was going to be really nervous because I've been teaching as well. So I was a teacher. And so I was stood in front of like 30 teenagers. They don't laugh at the things you say, even when you're trying to be funny. Also you're you're stood there being stared at by a huge amount of people all at once and you're not expecting a laugh. So I think that made it easier around that kind of period of time um mm-hmm. 
but yeah at the moment I definitely get very nervous before going on stage and I think well when you saw me I was very hungover as well because it was <laughs> <laughs> but like do you know I mean so I've yeah I still get very nervous before going on stage like it still makes me feel like I'm gonna be sick like <laughs> From the lessons that you've learned, have you found that um, has it given in you any sort of new philosophies or or some general rules that you take with you from show to show? Um, I think it's that really annoying thing of the more yourself you are on stage, probably the funnier you're going to be. I know that I say that with like quite a clear persona, but I do think that whoever I am on stage, that's slightly awkward, a bit inappropriate. Like that is kind of how I am in person anyway. Like um you know if we were having this conversation maybe in person rather than over zoom I think maybe I would be a completely different person <laughs> but yeah, I think I, like any time I've like relaxed and just been like I don't care how this goes and I'm just yeah. myself it goes really well and I think when you like hype yourself up and like I'm gonna be Bill Hicks or whoever like <laughs> why I mean also I I think Bill Hicks is boring but but you know, generally if you're trying to be like a persona or something you think you ought to be it's like in life if I turned up and started being like a real kind of like dick swinging motherfucker in a situation <laughs> people would probably know that I was trying to like it just wouldn't be funny so I think just being yourself not worrying about competitions is probably a good thing like enter them why not but it gets you ready for like Helen Bauer once said on a podcast she said basically do competitions because they mm-hmm. get you ready to play stakes gigs so if you get used to feeling like shit before the gig and being nervous and get used to that feeling of like anticipation before like a big gig then when you're performing in front of an agent or you're booked to be on with like your comedy hero you're less likely to be like all het up and like stressed and I I do think there's something in that Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) okay what about your heroes has there been anybody that has made the specific mark on your philosophy your career your path um when I started I really like and not to say that I don't anymore, but like I absolutely loved Sarah Pascoe. Like she was just, I just like, she kind of, she felt like, I mean, obviously I know she worked really hard, but like for me watching comedy, she just felt like she came out of nowhere. She wasn't like anyone else I'd ever seen doing comedy. I was like completely blown away by her and I was really lucky to gig with her. I did yeah. very badly. She was very nice to me, even though I was incredibly embarrassing the entire time. But I think having that awful, not awful interaction from her, but like from me was very useful. <laughs> she was like was very kind about like you know being careful about how much you drink before you go on stage and how actually there is no perfect amount of drunk you can be to go on stage and be your best self um and yeah I'm trying to think who else I really liked see I thought I was going to be like a club comic when I was younger because I really liked like Jared Christmas and people like that so I was like that's who I thought I was going to be but um but like later on (laughs) uh, I think so like people like Bridget Christie I remember coming across London Hughes by accident on Twitter because she's very yeah. funny on Twitter and then seeing her perform I think we actually know I think we gigged together and so then she was she was like the headliner and just yeah. like crying laughing and like but like weeping in a way that I just like never experienced and everything she said just I don't know how much she plans it I don't know how structured she is and if she's just like a genius in that respect or just a genius because she's just so funny but yeah so I was really sad that she left like the UK and went to the US but she was just like yeah yeah like nothing I've ever seen in my life like if you if, if someone if someone's listening to this um and they haven't um you know seen like just if you ever get the chance it will change your life it was amazing yeah 
as um as there are other people that are like um i'm thinking about cultural approaches to to comedy is so you've mentioned like comedians going to the us have you got people in the us that you think are, are doing great things in comedy or european or elsewhere um it's really bad it's probably not the us us is very like it is, it is interesting isn't it? because it's like a very just specific style between like the us and the uk like i think the uk is much more like I don't want to generalise, but it does feel a bit more like storytelling. Whereas hmm. the US, I feel like it feels more in that like one line structure. I mean, I love, I mean, Mae Martin, she's Canadian, right? They're Canadian, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Like Mae Martin is someone that I think kind of has that really nice middle ground of being like very like joke, 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 but it still has that kind of like whimsy and that story and that like yeah. image attached to it. Um then I'm trying to think like because I really liked Australian comics a lot when I was younger they were quite absurd I think they were like they would take like very real life situations mm-hmm. and but then there would be like a, a level of absurdity that was added to it that was usually quite hyperbolic that I really liked yeah yeah I don't I don't know if that's is that helpful am I helping am I doing good <laughs> Fantastic. Is, this, is this what you want yes, <laughs> more of this more of this <laughs> Do you feel that your particular brand of comedy would translate to an American audience? I don't know. Does it count if I've had like lots of American friends in the past and they think I'm funny? Like, does that count? I don't I'd know. Say if that I've pretty got... much is a big tick. Yeah. Yeah. Then yeah, I think I'd do really well in America. If Netflix are listening, I'm very available. <laughs> no, I don't know. Like, um, I don't know if I would translate well in the US because I'm quite. I think I'm quite meandering in my kind of like joke style yeah i mean we call, I, I, I don't know i don't want to be like I don't, I don't, i'm doing that awful thing of like anyone who's like socialized to be a girl where they're like mm, i don't think i'm good at anything so i'm just not gonna say <laughs> like to do melbourne comedy festival that sounds really nice and lots yeah. of like people like fern brady go and do stuff like that and they're successful and i guess i'm exactly like that so i think i'd be fine <laughs> um yeah okay. i don't know oh i think at the moment I would love to think about where I could live in the world and be successful. But I think for now, I'm just going to be like, I hope I get successful here. (laughs) So watching comedy for you, now that you're part of the comedy industry and your stand-up comedian, do you still enjoy comedy? Do you still watch it? Do you go to live shows? Do you follow other comedians? Not so much. Like I don't, I, I tend to make, I tend to watch like, sitcoms I enjoy I get enjoyment out of sitcoms and things but in terms of live comedy I think you spend so much time like like watching comedy like at an open mic night or at a pro night or wherever you are gigging yeah and you're like your brain is still working as a comic whether you're you know the best comic in the world or you're brand new or whatever yeah and so you find yourself filling in the gaps or you find yourself like I don't know like I it's really, I just, I feel like I can't relax. I feel like I can't like actually enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. Um, whereas with a sitcom, I don't know. There's like that element of like surprise there. I don't know. Cause when I was younger, I hated sitcom. Yeah. But um, <laughs> so I've been disgusted the whole time. Um, so like when I was younger, I really didn't like the like pretense of sitcoms because I was like, oh, that's not how that would really happen. It's like, yeah, of course it isn't. That's like not how tv works like tv is supposed to be like fun bits and so i'd get really confused and like annoyed about it whereas now i get much more enjoyment i think out of watching a sitcom than i do out of watching live comedy not to suggest live comic is bad i don't know i just think i spend so much time around it that i constantly find myself filling in the blanks like 
like a friend's show or like yeah. if there's someone you don't see very often because then they don't live in the UK or they just don't gig very often then yeah I'll go to that like I saw Dylan Moran a few years ago and I remember being like that was like huge for me because he was like one of the you know first comics I ever really loved and so yeah. that was like very cool but I yeah. don't know I don't want to be very funny these and I have to be like properly surprised I guess like the better quality and like the the comedians who've been going longer and know what they're doing are yeah. more likely to be um yeah so when new when lockdown happened and you weren't going and doing comedy and it was kind of i guess maybe off your radar a little bit did that reopen it as an option for you while you were watching it yeah definitely because like i came back and like i watched so during lockdown one i watched ed gamble's special on netflix or not netflix um, amazon prime and i was like pissing myself laughing and i was like oh i remember this like i was like it was really straight like being like Oh, like it was really exciting <laughs> comedy and comedians and everyone's trying to make a joke and everyone's trying to be funny and like you know you notice in someone's like body language that they're about to do the punchline or you can tell by the to- like the way they've said something that something's coming or there's yeah. like kind of standard you know we all use and fill in the gaps and stuff so it was nice to feel like refreshed and surprised by something not to suggest that Ed Gamble isn't like that anyway <laughs> but you spend so much time watching comedy and being around comedy that it stops being funny yeah, I, th- I think the way I look at it is, is kind of because it feels like it's the workplace and you're going, you do the job and you do your turn on the stage and then you're, you're off to the next gig or you're done for the night or you clock out kind of yeah. thing. Like I don't really like, I don't really stay after gigs very often unless it's like a lineup of people I really like. Not to suggest, <laughs> not that I don't like, but like generally speaking, I will just go home because I'm like, I can't, I can't be bothered. But I think when you're like a new comic, it's nice and good to stay because like everyone's very yeah. like open and wants friends and get to know each other and you know that's where you get helped like into <laughs> other games told about where to avoid and where to go and yeah it's like part of the evening but honestly who wants to stay but like until like 1am in Stockwell or wherever like it's you know <laughs> I mean it's perfectly nice um but just <laughs> away from where I live just on that note about staying around after gigs how do you feel when people come up to you and approach you and sort of then some might say nice things, some people might go, oh, here's, here's some advice for you or you could do that joke differently. How does that, does that happen? Does that, how does that come across? Yeah, it happens quite a lot. Like I've, I, I, I've been quite lucky that generally speaking, men don't try and fix my comedy for me that often. <laughs> I have had a couple of me that I was the funny, like it was a guy. He was like, oh, yeah, you were the funniest. Very when he said it in front of everyone else who was on the lineup. So that's also like not a very nice thing to do. Yeah. Um, but like, um, he was like, you're, you were the funniest, but, and I can't remember what he suggested, but it was something where I was just like, what a, what a fucking dumb thing to say. Like, it wasn't yeah. really a, th- like, just like, why have you put me in a situation where I have to be nice to you? And yeah. depending on my mood, I won't be nice to people, but like, generally I get people saying nice things and I've learned to say, thank you so much. That's very kind. So you might hit like whenever anyone gives me a compliment on anything, I'm like, oh, thank you so much. It's really kind of you to say. Like, <laughs> it's it's horrible because no one likes getting compliment or no one knows how to receive. It. I think that's it. It's not that people don't like compliments; it's that no one knows how to properly receive them. Right. So yeah, I just so much. It's very kind of you to say. <laughs> that's how I deal with that. So you're not the you wouldn't see yourself as the stereotype who so egocentric that they demand everyone come up and tell them they were brilliant at the end of their show. God, no. So, like, my best friend, or one of my best friends in comedy is Ruby Carr, and we met for the first time after a gig. I don't remember this, which is worse. (laughs) 
I'm so bad in social situations and like any if I'm not expecting to see like if I see if I saw Ruby outside now like I walked I would run and hide rather than have an inter because I'm not expecting to speak to, to see her so any kind of unexpected social interaction I'm like no thank you and so she came up to me apparently and I was at the very much at the bar and we all know what it's like at the front of a bar trying to get served yeah. so she like on my shoulder was like oh and like was saying really nice things I was like yeah yeah okay <laughs> and apparently really off with her and her friends were like laughing and I feel so terrible about it now because obviously we're like BFFs but I it wasn't I was trying to be like it's not like an arrogant thing of like I don't need you but it's that thing of like I wasn't expecting to have a conversation and I feel very awkward and whilst I appreciate that you're saying something nice I've not yet learned to accept your compliment and be comfortable yeah I I think that leads nicely into us talking about your show yeah it does (laughs) So the show's called Be Brave or Whatever. It is. Um, coming to Edinburgh and it's on at the Three Sisters. Is that every day? What, what time is it show? It's, uh, so I, if I remember correctly, I think it's at 8.45pm um, in the Wii Room. But because it's the Wii Room, it'll sell out really fast. And I can tell everyone I had a sell out run and no one can say different. So <laughs> I once had an argument, well not an argument, but I once was, I was friends with this girl and she was like, she like works in comedy and she's very like, very successful and very like good at what she does mm-hmm. I remember her getting really aggy because people were saying that their show was a sellout because they sold out like one or two nights or whatever mm-hmm. and apparently there's like a specific number that you have to sell out before you can call something a sellout run but I'm just like excited to have a tiny room so I can say it's a sellout run and no one I won't I won't have her voice in my head going it's not <laughs> so um yeah I'm excited for that yeah no it's a great room I love the Free Sisters it's a terrific pub with many venues inside and it's part of the PBH Free Fringe I highly recommend it, people going along and looking and supporting those um, those shows, particularly yours. So tell me, what's the overarching premise? What's the story of your show? So it's called Be Brave or whatever. Basically, I'm not very good at making friends. I don't know how to. I don't know what you're supposed to do. And like, I, like I know, like I have, I have got friends. Like I have got some, and I like them a lot. <laughs> I'm not I'm definitely someone who has like a small group of very close friends rather mm-hmm. than like lots of friends and like comedy highlights this a lot for me in that like I don't always know when something is a friendship and when it's politeness yeah. so like like I've recently learned the difference between a friend who is a colleague and a colleague who is a friend and like a colleague who is a friend is like your work wife who's like your BFF or you're in school but you don't necessarily well and I don't know actually because I quite like my work wife I would quite like to see her outside of school <laughs> but like but like you know like you're friendly with a colleague or your yeah. friend is a colleague is different yeah and sometimes people are just nice to you and they're just being nice because you work together and you see each other every day and then in comedy we are all like colleagues and sometimes you're a colleague and also a fan and then you are a friend and it is like a sociable thing yeah and like I've had patients where I've like been on at a social thing with someone maybe because they've invited me or someone else invites me and I've been like because we're friends and then you find out later it's like no yeah <laughs> and I'm like there's all this nuance and so the title's a little bit just because I wanted an obnoxious like imperative title with like mm-hmm. or whatever it, that's sort of funny but also <laughs> I just wish you could just ask like yeah. I wish you could just be like are we friends and the thing is I'm fine if they say no because I'm like do you know what that makes sense and I, I'll work out why I don't need you to tell me 
but you can't because if you go are we friends people feel like they have to go yes uh, and it's like no i'm i'm genuinely asking because yeah. it's my birthday it's worth inviting <laughs> <laughs> and it's just i find it very conf- so basically it's a way for me to manage that that's what the show is it's me managing that liminal space and i think yeah trying to work that out if possible is that, is that how the how the show was conceived is it how much has it developed over the time to be to be edinburgh fringe ready i mean i started it in 2019 so like it's had a long old shelf life like it's it's had it's changed a lot like it used to be a lot clownier and i remember mm-hmm. one night in edinburgh 2019 deep throating a man with a cucumber um <laughs> So that was great. Um, no, I did like, I, I signed up to do like a 45 minute solo show. Cause like, yeah, no worries. And originally mm. it was going to be about the musical version of War of the Worlds. And I used to wear this, like, I basically made myself like a cardboard space suit, but I didn't decorate or anything. Like it was just a box I wore. Yeah. And I remember being very comfortable and very safe when I wore my little cardboard suit at home. <laughs> and it was, you know, fantastic. Um, but that show was very like, like a kind of therapy show, like a kind of trauma show. And I don't think that, and in 2019, I felt fucking bulletproof. So it just didn't kind of make sense. <laughs> and then I went and did a workshop run by Sean Morley and he does lots of like unscripted comedy because mm-hmm. he has the, the very true, I think, theory that like, if something is unique to that audience, it's funnier. So like when people drop glass or someone says the wrong thing and the whole audience loses their shit, it's like, <laughs> trying to take yeah. that to every show so you have like a vague idea of what you're going to do or what you intend to do mm-hmm. and go based on what the audience does yeah. so I won't yeah so yeah that's what <laughs> it is and I just worked on it from that and then there was lots of clowny stuff in it where I ate vegetables very quickly to music um and originally I did that with potatoes but people in the audience I've learned since thought that those potatoes weren't cooked so they thought I was just eating raw potato and I had audiences members looking very disgusted. And one man got very angry with me and told me to fuck off and stormed out. Is- and like the response wasn't great. So then I started doing it with bell peppers, which was funny in its own way because I was eating them like apples to the Lion King. <laughs> I still like doing it, but like I, I don't think it fits anymore. So I think it has changed quite a lot. Like it is much more, it's weirdly quite formulaic now, but you've seen it, but like mm. it's, I think it's more planned than maybe it seems. And that might be something I have to battle with like industry over because I think, yeah. you know, I find it very difficult to convince people I'm not a fucking idiot, which is probably why I find it so hard to make friends. But yeah, yeah. the show. <laughs> so the, the the work in progress that I saw at the Brighton Fringe recently, and there was a reviewer in that night and uh, she was- loved it, clearly. Ooh. I thought it was delightful. I thought you were very charming and i i thought it was very endearing and i really i really enjoyed it and i'm super keen to see it fully fledged when it reaches edinburgh so i'll be coming along to Thank see you. it the wee room so alison can you please summarize for me what is comedy to you in a nutshell i feel like i've cheated <laughs> um comedy is for me my way of trying to outrun death <laughs> but also it's not that deep which is why it's funny because like I'm trying to become successful so that God will be like, we'll save that one. That's a good one, <laughs> but not that deep. And so when I think the contrast of me desperately trying not to die and telling stupid little stories is funny. <laughs> <laughs> 
my opinion. Fair enough. But no one could take that away from you. <laughs> um, thank you so much for agreeing to do this podcast with me today. It's been absolutely delightful talking to you. I've really enjoyed it. It's been educational and entertaining, and I'm very, very grateful. So thank you once again. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I had a nice time. <laughs> Thank you.